0: It's not easy. I guess that's something I've been thinking about a lot as I've kind of spent the last, I don't know, 15 plus years Mm -hmm. running around and doing way too many things. I'm generally into that, but when I find that it means I don't have any time to compose or practice music other than specific music I'm learning for a a gig that's coming up. um, And what I mean is I don't get to actually practice nuts and bolts of my instrument or things I want to be getting better at, things like that. When I don't have time for those things, then I think, wow, I really overscheduled. <laughs>
1: is that an artifact of how you're wired or how much of that is just being how much you have to hustle in order to be a, be a working musician?
0: I think I do. There's probably something about me that does thrive on being busy and have a lot of things going on. But I think also all the things I'm doing are things that I want to be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, So I'm very lucky in that way. But then that also gets tricky, because I don't really want to stop doing the same things. But at the same time, I I want more time.
1: You know, I work in publishing, and I was forced to freelance for a bit. Mm -hmm. Everyone was talking about how great it is. And like, you know, how you can make your own schedule. And you can like, go see a movie in the middle of the day. And I was completely (laughs) miserable. Just like knowing that, like, everyone else out there was working, and I wasn't. Mm -hmm. I just felt like just completely useless.
0: Yeah, I think for some people it really works, and and for other people it's just stressful. And even for people who like it, sometimes it's stressful anyway.
1: There's also this thing of, like, do you meditate ever? No. Have you tried to?
0: The, you know, I did more when I was a teenager, yeah. and I kind of got away from it.
1: The ideal is sort of, like, you know, being able to sort of, like, turn things off, but then it's like, oh, no, that now I have time with my thoughts.
0: No, that is tricky. You know what's helped me for stress management is getting away from my phone and the computer. Yeah. I think that's been kind of a key thing. or For changes I'm trying to make in my life, one is to not be addicted to my phone. And so I made like a tangible, successful attempt at that several years ago. And it started because I was on a vacation. And I decided I was on the speech vacation. And I said, I'm going to check my email once mm-hmm. every day for five minutes to make sure there's no emergencies. And other than that, my phone's going to be off. And what I realized was... It was great. I felt so much better, and I didn't miss anything. Like, there's nothing that can't, or very few things that can't wait 24 hours. Sure.
1: I mean, you know, and 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 this isn't a way of saying that your job isn't important, but like, you're not an ER doctor.
0: Exactly. Right. You
1: don't need a you don't need a pager on yourself. I don't need to
0: be on the computer all the time. Um, I need to keep up with things, but if something's an emergency, someone will call me, or you know. So just trying to not get into a thing. Like, I don't wake up with my phone. I don't I don't look at my phone or my computer for the first hour that I'm awake. I don't look at it usually a few hours. I turn it off, like, after 8 p.m. I try to not be on my computer, really. And, and just that, those maybe check email twice a day. Unless there's something I really have to be
1: yeah. doing. You're capable of unwinding. Yes. You can go to a beach and just appreciate being at a beach. Yes. Okay. For sure. That's one of the things I think about being a creative person in general, but certainly, you know, if you're like a musician or a writer, is that n- not only the freelance thing, but also like you can't really, nor would you want to turn off inspiration. Mm-hmm. So like in a sense, you're always kind of working, right? I mean, you can you can be Definitely. inspired and you need to, I don't know, do you need to like run to a guitar and
0: uh- – not always. I mean, yeah, sometimes you can get inspiration, yeah. actually, maybe more often than not, when you're not on the instrument, sure. an idea might just occur to you. But yeah. most of the time, you can find a way to have that stick with you. But no, I think it's really important to to get away from stuff or just to escape music, <laughs> you know, to not be thinking about music all the time, because you're right, it doesn't turn off.
1: What's your process, you know, if you are away from a guitar and something does hit you?
0: I mean, it depends on what kind of a thing it is. Sometimes yeah. it'll be just a larger idea, like I okay. want to try a band with such and such instrumentation, or if it's something like that, yeah. I, there's nothing I need to or do. Like, I, I just... want to play the bassoon. Right.
1: <laughs> I want to get really into reggae. Some, like an idea like that.
0: Right, and then yeah. I, you know, you just remember it. You don't have to do anything. But I mean, sometimes I'll I'll record a voice memo or something on my phone yeah. if I think of something, whether it's a an idea or a melody, or you write something down.
1: Is a melody generally hmm. the germ of the songwriting process for you, based on on what I know about you and listening to your music, that that a a lot of your approach seems to be just like different ideas that you have of things to do with the guitar.
0: Actually, I think sometimes a melody is the first idea. Yeah. But usually I'll just be improvising on guitar until I play something that I think could be the basis for a composition. Whether that might be a melody, it could be a sequence of chords or a rhythmic idea, or sometimes it's a more general thing, like thinking about a specific feeling that I want mm-hmm. a song to have or a specific tempo or instrumentation or something.
1: I was listening to the um, the Beatles cover you did, mm-hmm. which is sort of, um, I mean, that's an interesting insight into your work is working with possibly the most like saccharine, as far as Beatles songs go, one of the mm-hmm. sort of simplest pop songs, right. and then deconstructing it in a way. Is that in some way emblematic of the work that you do?
0: Well, I don't know, because doing a cover is a very different... Sure approach yeah. but with that specifically what I tried to do was not go back and reference the original cuz they asked me to do it it wasn't my idea sure. will you do will you do a cover of a little help for my friends it's a fun challenge though it was a really fun challenge but what I tried to do was just think about the the aspects of the song that were stuck in my memory yeah. without actually going back and listening to it and trying to figure out all the detail of what was happening and just use the aspects that were the strongest to me and then try to do something a little different. So the entire
1: it. process of arranging it and recording it, you didn't listen to the original at all?
0: I did later, but not at first. Yeah. So, the, so the initial ideas I had for it just came from memory. And then I did go back and listen to it to make sure there wasn't some aspect of it that that I wanted to include mm. that I wasn't. But most of it was just, and actually with that song, the melody to me was what was strongest. So I tried sure. to kind of just think about the melody and and the harmony was almost secondary. Like it it could have been. I liked the idea of the harmony being almost experimental behind this strong melody.
1: Is that something you feel like you would want to do again? You know, take an existing pop song and rearrange it.
0: I think not unless it was a specific song that I felt really strongly yeah. about. I think covers are really tricky because often when you want to cover something, it's because you love the song so sure. much. And so how do you take something that you love so much and that you maybe even consider perfect and then do something better with it? It's, yeah. it's really tricky. So I think, I mean, I have done quite a few covers, but I it, it's very hard. It's hard to think of how can you do something that is true to the original, but also maybe different or offers something that's interesting when something is already so sure. strong.
1: Sure. I mean, with the Beatles, you don't think you're going to outdo
0: the Beatles. Right. Oh, yeah. The <laughs> idea is never to outdo, but the idea sure. would be like, how do you offer something different or, or just yeah. bring something out that you loved in the original?
1: Did you choose that song specifically?
0: No, the record label did.
1: Do you feel like that was a good starting point for you?
0: For sure. I, I mean, I love that song yeah. and I love the Beatles. So for me, it was easy to to think about doing that song. If it was a song, I was less... If it was a song that was less stuck in my memory, Mm -hmm. it might have been harder. But that song was like, oh, great. I felt like they picked the song I would have wanted to do from that record anyway.
1: Standards are such an important part of jazz in general, I mean, versus like most other kinds of music. You know, even the most established people tend to at least dabble in standards. Yeah. You don't have as much interest in that.
0: Actually, I I love standards. I mean, I grew up playing standards, studying jazz. Um, And it's something I got away from at a certain point, but I still actually practice them a lot and work on them a lot because I feel like they inform a lot of things that I Mm -hmm. do. And it can only make you a better musician to to work on that stuff.
1: That's just part of the process of kind of honing your guitar playing.
0: Yeah, or just, you know, working on the harmonies and melodies and, and... chord sequences and all the aspects of standards and then also you know it helps your ear it helps everything Mm -hmm. so I I, sometimes I use that as a way to practice even if I'm not ultimately gonna play the standards very much just having that as material to get better at the guitar and for for inspiration.
1: A lot of people kind of make make the point in interviews and rapes with you that you didn't initially take to jazz but I mean do you feel like that you're Initial, I guess, non-appreciation of it is kind of dissimilar from anyone else's. I mean, yeah, I, very few people really take to anything the first time they hear it. Yeah, I mean, or were you actually reluctant at first?
0: I think when I when I first heard jazz, it I just it didn't I didn't hate it, but it didn't strike me in sure. any special way. But I think it wasn't
1: like this is this is it this is the thing that I've been waiting for my my life.
0: No, but then when I started really listening to it and I started getting into it, then I fell in love with it, but it yeah. was it was gradual. It wasn't like it didn't strike me immediately. But I think it's like that with a lot of things. Sort of the more you listen and the more you start to understand all the complexities of what's happening, the more interesting it gets. You know, there's so much within the umbrella of jazz to discover. So, no, I mean, I love it. And that's that's basically the music I grew up listening to once I got into it.
1: At what point did it occur to you that it was something that you could actually do? I mean, that's such a, you know, it, it feels like such like a pipe dream. And, you know, yeah. at this point in pop culture to be a professional jazz musician.
0: Yeah. It still feels like that, yeah. I guess.
1: <laughs> it's working out fairly well, it seems like. You're busy. Yeah. As we established earlier.
0: Yeah. And I, you know... I never really expected that. I think I I decided to become a musician at a certain point because I felt I wanted to so badly that I felt Mm -hmm. I had to at least give it a shot. Um, But it was a very scary decision because I'm a very practical person and it did not seem practical at all. And it isn't (laughs) practical at all.
1: You were studying science. Yeah. Biology. Is that right? Exactly. And at one point in school, you decided that you were going to go a very different route.
0: Well, it wasn't even that I decided. I was just taking a lot of music. I think I wanted to, but I had no confidence and I had no... I didn't even really think that it was a possibility for me or that I would be able to do it. But I had a lot of people being like, come on, do it, do yeah. it.
1: I mean, at some uh, point you're the person making the decision that you're not like, you know, Peter Pan. Right. <laughs> <laughs> nobody nobody kidnapped you and turned you into a jazz musician. Right, exactly. Unless I there's a part of the, the story decision. I don't know. No, I did make the decision, yeah. but,
0: but I made the decision with a lot of friends and mentors kind of encouraging me to do it, yeah. just to go for it. And I'm not sure I would have done it without that. I guess that's what I mean. I had really great teachers and a really positive environment, which is what I needed at that time to actually say, okay, I'm going to try to do this. How was that
1: conversation with your parents of like, hey, this whole science thing isn't working out. I'm going to be a <laughs> jazz musician. You
0: know, it's funny. My parents are awesome. And I think, well, I know I'm very lucky. And I'm sure they were very freaked out, but they sure. were they were like, okay, this is really what you want to do. <laughs> okay. But I think, you know, my dad is a landscape architect and he's also a painter and a sculptor. Now he's doing a lot of painting now. But I think he kind of wishes that he had been a painter, um, yeah. and then ended up being an architect, which he enjoyed. But which I think is still a,
1: a, a creative field to some degree. Totally. Yeah.
0: But I still think he thought, in a way, it was like me going for it. Was like he wished he yeah. had gone for a, a painting career at some point. So I think there was kind of a similarity of like you want to do this creative thing, you should go for it. And again, yes, he he did end up doing a creative thing. But he understood, I think, that I wanted to do that.
1: What does going for it mean? I mean, do you give yourself, is there a contingency plan when you do that? Or do you give yourself sort of a, I guess, a a timeline for things to work out?
0: I didn't give myself a timeline. But basically, when I made the decision, when I was in college, I said, I should be prepared for the fact that I'm going to be working an office job my whole life. Am I cool with that? If I am, then I'm going to go for it. So, I decided I was cool with it. And I did, I had an office job for the first five years. I moved to New York. So, then when I quit it, because I never had the expectation that I would be able to quit the job. Yeah. So, when I was able to quit it, it was like, amazing. So almost like having low expectations was helpful because I had no delusions that anything was going to be easy or that I would be able to actually be a full-time musician.
1: Do you still feel like you were committing to it full-time? I mean, how much of a kind of like an after work and weekends endeavor was it?
0: I mean, I was so young. I look back on it and think there's no way I could have done that now, but I I would work all day in the office. I would come home, like make a pot of coffee and practice all night. And, you know, I was starting to Meet musicians and play gigs, so...
1: Once you hit 30, like, you physically just don't have the energy you to can't, do that anymore. You can't do it anymore. Yeah. It's literally the, the the one time in your life that you can do something potentially crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Even crazier to do it in New York. I mean, to some degree, like, New York is probably the best place to be a jazz musician mm-hmm. in the United States, but also the most difficult to, you know, try to eke out a living doing it.
0: Yeah. Because, well, it's... it's not an easy place to be. You have to really sure. want to be here. I yeah. mean, I love New York, um, but yeah, you have to really want that. And I think I had the motivation at that time to just be working on music all the time, but also it didn't feel like work. You know, it felt like what I wanted to be doing when I got home from the office.
1: I have no sense of like how vibrant the current jazz scene is in New York city at this point. I mean, is it, is it a sort of a situation where obviously like now you're, you're established, but is it a situation where any the night of the week you can go and sit in or, or play with someone when you're starting out? Are there that many gigs at the ready?
0: Well, I guess what you're talking about is more of a jam session kind yeah, of thing. Sure. If you want to go hear music, for sure, yeah. any night of the week, there's going to be many, many Sure. Well,
1: well, I guess just how many gigs are are there and like how difficult is it to really kind of start to establish yourself as a musician?
0: I think it's very difficult. I mean, the the thing that's good and bad about being in New York versus being in a small town somewhere playing is... It's, there's so many musicians and there's so many different scenes and different things happening and it can be really hard to find a community or, or break into that. Whereas in a smaller place, it might be easier to kind of meet all the other musicians in the town and develop something. But the upside of it is there's just so much happening and so much to draw inspiration from. And if you're interested in a certain type of music, you can find it, you know, and go check it out every night and talk to people. Um, but But I think... You know, I do talk to a lot of young musicians that are studying here or maybe studying somewhere else and thinking of moving here. And it is overwhelming for sure. And like I said, I think you have to really want to be here.
1: I think the advice you have to give to somebody who wants to be a professional jazz musician is similar to like when people have asked me about being a writer, which is it's kind of a cliche, but. You only do this if you can't imagine yourself possibly doing anything else
0: exactly. because
1: it's just such a hard road exactly do you think that like being a unique and having a very unique style is an asset when it comes to breaking through
0: i think it depends on what you're trying to do yeah musically
1: i mean obviously like in terms of like i would assume lining up gigs early on if you can just kind of sit in with people and play their style of music it's probably easier to establish yourself that way
0: right I mean it it also I mean this is again where it's so hard to say because there's no path that everybody follows sure. you know like you could be doing wedding gigs or you could be doing um trad jazz or you could be yeah uh teaching lessons or you you there's so many different things people can be doing so it's hard to say kind of what is and isn't the way to do it. You know, I think I kind of found a scene of people and, and kind of like-minded people and just tried to make music that I think is creative and interesting and keeps me challenged and, and interested. So that was sort of the path that I found. Um, but there's wow, there's so many ways to be a musician.
1: I was reading an interview where, you know, I think you said something along the lines of like, some, some you know, somebody asked you whether you could point to other people who are doing something stylistically similar to what you mm-hmm. were doing, and you didn't really have any Specific examples of that. How would you describe what you do?
0: I mean, yeah, I guess it depends on how you frame that question because at the same time, I do have a community of people where I feel like we speak the same language and and are into the same types of things. But, you know, I don't know. I I play, I, I compose music, I play a lot of original music of my own and of friends of mine. A lot of it is influenced by jazz to some degree, a lot of it probably sounds nothing like jazz. Um, I think I'm into the idea of getting away from genre and just making music, I think, is interesting. And that's in no way like a novel idea. I think there's a lot of musicians now that are interested in so many things and just interested in I don't know, making music. I think the thing that maybe is a common thread between myself and a lot of musicians I work with is that we're interested in composition and improvisation and what the intersection is between those worlds. Um, Whether it's jazz or or new music or, you know, song-based music, rock music.
1: When, when I first heard about you a few years ago, I, I don't think I, what you were doing really clicked until I watched video of you doing it.
0: And I think that's often true, especially, I think seeing music live is such a better way yeah. to to get into it.
1: I mean, is, is it hard to translate that to record? Is, is it hard to take what you're doing and, and put it on that sort of just audio only document?
0: I don't think so. But I also I love recording and I love making records. But I do think there's an aspect of of seeing music live that's somehow not there. So I think, especially if it's something you haven't heard, seeing it live, you're just going to be able to take in so much of energy and also just physically seeing what they're doing, I think, adds another element. But but on the other hand, there's something really nice about a recording, which is... A document you make in the moment that you can take the time to perfect in a way that you couldn't in, in a live performance.
1: Yeah, as I was mentioning to you earlier, I was you know I was reading Nate's book and you're you're kind of you're in the in the tail end of it and he he highlights the fact that you're sitting down as as kind of a, an important aspect of that. Perhaps some of the maybe difficulty. You have, you know, I guess being like not especially visible. (laughs) Right. Everybody else, everybody else, you know, in the the band standing up, or, you know, if you're in a kind of like a standing room only situation, Mm -hmm. you could be completely obscured. Right. Has that made it difficult?
0: You know, I guess I've never really thought about it that much. Yeah.
1: Have you read the book? Yeah. To sort of like go back and read it, like that's the thing that he sort of points out as almost like an introduction to you is the fact that you're sitting down with a guitar.
0: Right. I remember, well, that was like a specific situation he was talking about where. It was with my octet, so there were four horn players, and they were all standing, and I was almost maybe buried.
1: They said, like, physically, it just—you probably wouldn't be able to stand up. Right. And it's like—because you have this, like, huge hollow-body guitar that it just—
0: Well, that's actually not why. The reason I can't stand—I used to stand when I played when I was younger— the reason I don't stand now is because I have two foot pedals that I'm trying to operate okay. simultaneously. So if I stood, I would fall over. So I sort of have to sit down. But I, I, I like sitting down. And, you know, I'm, I'm often not the only one. You know, the drummer is sitting. There's, If there's a piano player, they're sitting. So I guess I've never thought about it in any way because most of the time... Your scene, anyway, yeah. on the stage.
1: Yeah, I, I guess probably most of the situations where you're playing are, are probably people seated for the most yeah, part. Yeah, mo- right? most
0: of the time. So
1: you teach as well.
0: Mm-hmm. It's been great. I just teach. I teach one day a week at the new school. Um, so I have a couple ensembles, and I really like it because basically it's just running bands, and these students are great. They're incredibly creative. They're amazing instrumentalists, and a lot of them are writing their own music. So we're just working on it. Um, so you're
1: basically working with kids who have been playing music for some time
0: oh yeah like at a very high level okay and I have two groups there and just work work with the students and yeah I've been enjoying it a lot
1: so it's more more of a situation where you're kind of just guiding them in uh, certain directions
0: yeah yeah it's not like lecturing or it's really just either playing with them or listening to them play and giving them thoughts
1: how self-taught were you
0: uh I mean I'm I'm pretty schooled I guess you could say I mean, when I first picked up the guitar, I was teaching myself.
1: Sure. I mean, that's pretty stuff, standard, right? Right.
0: But then once I started, I started taking lessons at some point. Um, and then, you know, I went to, I majored in music in college. And I also spent a year at, actually, at the new school in, in jazz school.
1: By the time you, like, made the jump in college and decided that you wanted to do music professionally, you were already pretty far into studying.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'd been studying music since probably the, well, I started playing violin when I was really young, but I've been studying guitar since the seventh grade.
1: And you're classically trained as well?
0: No. No. I never played... actually wish I had played classical guitar. I never did. I played classical violin before that, but guitar, I really just started learning jazz.
1: Why'd you make the jump from uh, violin to guitar?
0: I didn't like playing in orchestras, and I, I didn't want to play classical music. I think I wanted to... I wanted to play rock and roll was yeah. the was the initial reason and then I got interested in jazz but I think I was interested in improvisation. I don't know the violin just wasn't resonating.
1: A rock and roll like again probably would have been like a more straightforward path, right? Just yeah, in maybe. terms of like opportunities as a guitar player in the world.
0: Maybe, but it's hard to say. You know, like yeah. I said it's just it's funny if you try to explain to somebody who doesn't know anything about it, you know, I was trying to explain to my neighbor the other day what I do and <laughs> It's. it's,
1: I mean, you you can't just say like, I I play jazz music. Is that not a straightforward enough explanation? People have some context for that. Yeah,
0: but then I don't really think I am playing jazz a lot of the time. So. What does that mean? I mean, I think what I do is influenced by jazz. Yes, that would be the one sentence I would give someone. If somebody wanted a more detailed answer, I probably wouldn't say that. As
1: you said earlier, like jazz is a pretty, it's a broad genre. Mm -hmm. So like, at what point do you feel like you kind of maybe don't quite it
0: you know it's funny, people debate about this a lot, or I think people get worked up about the definition of jazz sure. and actually don't really care. Yeah, but, <laughs> like no, but it's but it seems
1: like you like almost like prefer to think of yourself as being something outside of that.
0: Yeah. Is it just or I guess a what?
1: rejection of genre generally?
0: I guess what I mean is I'm not too bothered either way. Yeah. Like if somebody wants to call what I do jazz, that's fine. If somebody wants to say it's not jazz at all, yeah. that's fine. I guess what I mean is I'm not attached to the idea because I think it is really hard to define and, and it means different things to different people. So when, when some people say jazz, they mean a very specific kind of music from a specific period of time. For other people, it it you know, is more wide ranging maybe in, in what it means. So I don't know. I guess what I mean is I think a lot of people get worked up about it, about yeah. what it is because they hold on to a notion sure. of it as being a certain thing. And I don't really, I don't know. I don't care.
1: Yeah. There, do, there does tend to be this sort of traditionalism around jazz that mm-hmm. maybe you don't find with other, other genres in quite the same way in that in some ways, maybe it's most similar to like classical music Mm -hmm. where people feel like jazz at Lincoln Center is probably a good example. Mm -hmm. There's like an academy of it almost. Well, that's
0: the thing now jazz is in schools. Yeah. So when you have a school, you have a methodology and, and I mean, there is obviously a very strong tradition and, and, um, but I, it's not like a hard line.
1: What's the disconnect when, when you're talking to this this neighbor mm-hmm. or this person who just doesn't understand that, that world at all, where does it become difficult to really define what you do?
0: Um,
1: Is there something beyond just saying, you know, I'm a, a touring musician and I, and I'm, I, you know, and I teach.
0: Yeah. See, that makes sense to me. Yeah. But then I guess people tend to have more specific questions like, yeah. how does it work? Or how do you get paid? Or what do you do? You know, it's yeah. there and there isn't I mean, really just, a norm.
1: Those are all fair questions. Yeah. And that's probably something I assume that like, more than anything else, again, especially living in New York City, that you're probably doing, still doing this to some degree. But when you're first starting, you're, you're kind of cobbling everything together. Oh, yeah. And like, at what point is it clear that you're like, oh, yeah, maybe I can quit the office job and actually do this full time? Where do you have to get to, to realize that that you can just, just be a musician?
0: I don't know. You know, it's all very fragile, because you can yeah. have good months and bad months. I mean, this gets back to the freelance thing we were talking about, um, where at some point, if you want to do that, you just kind of have to go for it. You know, there, there wasn't a point where it was very clear to me, okay, now I'm, I'm doing all right. And I'm going to quit this job. It was more like, okay, I really want to quit it. Okay. I'm, I think I, you know, I saved a little bit of money. I'm going to go for it and see what happens. You know, it was more like that. Everything's always kind of unclear. And
1: getting back to this idea of slowing things down a little bit, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and having a little, a little more time for yourself. How far ahead are you thinking generally? How locked in is your schedule? Look, how many months ahead?
0: I mean, a lot of stuff gets booked really far in advance. You know, I have yeah. some things booked in 2021. But then I also... As, as far as
1: gigs or recording Yeah, gigs sessions? or tours or yeah. things
0: like that. But I also have a lot of free time or pocket of free time. So then the key is just keeping it free. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, I do want to focus on writing... And and working a little more on my own projects, so I have to make that time.
1: Do you still have existential crises though when it comes to that? Like, you know, if there is a month or something when you don't have a lot of stuff lined up, are there still moments when it's like, oh, maybe maybe this isn't working out like I know?
0: <laughs> you know, actually, no.
1: Yeah, that's good. Yeah, if you feel like this being a professional musician thing is working out right well. now, yeah. But you don't have the time, you feel like, to necessarily pursue your own projects. Are you primarily playing with other people at this point? I mean, are you in other people's bands?
0: Yeah, it's it's kind of a, a lot of everything. Yeah. I'm doing my own things. I'm doing other people's things. I have a few collaborative projects. So it's just a matter of managing it and... Like I said, just making sure I have time to work on my own stuff.
1: What's the process for getting something together under your own name? And how much of the heavy lifting do you actually have to do when it comes to booking and recording sessions, things like that? I mean, are you able to delegate?
0: Yeah, I mean, I have a booking agent. But a lot of the stuff I do myself, just picking a date and asking people if they're free and you know, trying to schedule something.
1: Are you sort of like creating the, like a a cohesive group in that sense of, you know, the band that plays together on the record is the one that you're going to tour with? I try to. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, it it depends on the situation because sometimes people are busy, but you know, usually if you plan it enough in advance, I try to keep with the same people.
1: It's got to be a lot more pressure when your name is on it versus playing in somebody else's band. The success and failures kind of tend to Fall on you
0: well, I think it, in a sense it it is it can be a little more stressful because it's also more responsibility you know yeah. like you feel responsible for these five other people you've brought to Europe and you want to make sure everyone's happy and you know suddenly the flight gets cancelled, and then suddenly everyone you know it's kind of on you to figure it out. Um, So I guess it is a little more responsibility in that way. But but I also really enjoy it. And I think I've gotten used to it over the years. So it doesn't always feel like that. It just, you know, I have great people. I work with great people that I enjoy hanging out with. And Um, We usually have a really good time.
1: How organically does the group come together? I mean, you know, when you're sort of sitting down and and composing that music, do you have a pretty clear idea of both what instrumentation and the people you want involved in something?
0: Yeah, I pretty much always know all of that before I sit down to write. So I'll know exactly who it's going to be and what the instrumentation is.
1: So prior prior to actually, like, figuring out what the songs are, the initial germ of an idea comes through the kind of the assemblage of
0: players? Yes. And then I think that helps you write because you know who you're writing for. So you know the instrumentation, you know the specific musician and how they play and how they sound. So then you can start to visualize their musical voices.
1: This is an incredibly abstract question. That initial, before you pull everyone together, like what is that? Maybe giving a concrete example, like what is what, is that, what does that look like? If you're describing this group of people and telling them about this project you're working on, what does that look like?
0: I think I probably wouldn't say much. I just say <laughs> like, I'm thinking about... Writing some stuff for you and these specific four other people or whatever. Are you free?
1: Yeah, but I guess in your own head, like, how do you how do you kind of visualize that group?
0: I mean, I don't know if I can describe it really. Sometimes it's just hearing a sound, but it's yeah. kind of more, a more general thought of I think this combination. So it's combination an, it's of an people. aesthetic. Yeah, I th- like I think these combination. This combination of musicians would sound good together. And then what could I write that would bring that out? Or what are some interesting arrangements or or different ways to put all that together and make something cohesive?
1: This kind of getting back to this idea of maybe like having inspiration when you're not like necessarily sitting down to play. Do you have like notes on your phone? Do you have a bunch of things that you can kind of go back to and pull from?
0: I think with more general ideas like that, they're just in my head. Notes that I might actually write on my phone would be more... Actually, sometimes I play things. It would be more a specific idea. Yeah. i played on the guitar. I might do that.
1: You kind of have a library of, of ideas that you can you can draw from and pick and choose from?
0: Sometimes, but often I'll just say, okay, I'm going to compose now, and I'll sit down and just yeah. start from scratch in that moment. That's more common.
1: Is part of dealing with having a, a pretty busy schedule kind of setting office hours and almost forcing yourself to sit down and, and play and compose?
0: You know, I don't really do that. I think it's just... I do it whenever I have the time. Yeah. So if I have a chunk of several hours, I'll sit down and write. Um, and sometimes you might sit down and feel completely uninspired, and then you might decide to run scales instead. Do you find it <laughs>
1: useful to have a have a deadline? I mean, and and when you when you start on this project, do you already have dates lined up?
0: I, I hate deadlines. Yeah. They, they freak me out. If I have a deadline, like if you told me you have to write. A whole bunch of music, and you have to have it done in two weeks, I would kind of panic and I wouldn't be able to do anything. But if you said, okay, you have to have it all done in a year, I might finish it in two weeks. I I don't like that idea of having to have it completed. But I I like getting things done quickly, but without a specific deadline, if that makes sense.
1: Once you get to a point where you're going to sit down to start to write songs, you've already alerted all these people to the fact that you want them Mm -hmm. in the group.
0: Most of the time, yeah. Yeah.
1: It's just sort of like kind of elusive, like, all right, we're 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 doing this thing now and maybe I'll be back to you in two weeks or a month with some music and we mm-hmm. can start playing.
0: Yeah, or sometimes I'll even write all the music and then say, you know, if I was doing it now, maybe we have a gig in June. Yeah. And so maybe I'd say, all right, we're going to get together in May and rehearse and then I'll get a sense for what it sounds like. Or maybe I'll say, let's get together in March. I'll have half of the music done and we can play through it and it'll it'll help me then write the rest of it once I hear what it sounds like.
1: Where does recording come into all this? You know, at what point is it clear that it's time to sort of sit down and actually, you know, put these on record?
0: It depends. I mean, with the record I'm about to record a record actually next mm. week. And the way I did this record is we did the tour first. So, we did a two week tour in October and it was all new music and yeah. we played it every night and got it to a point that I felt was really strong. That and now ideal. we're going to go and record it. That yeah. is ideal. Sometimes it doesn't work out that yeah. way. Like maybe you, people in your band live all over the country and you can only get together in this specific week and you have the time blocked out and you have to record.
1: But I assume that like you're. The style of music that you play is not like going to see the Rolling Stones, or people are going to be mad if you don't play Satisfaction. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, <laughs> that, that is they're... the nice
0: thing. You, you're never obligated yeah. to play hits because yeah. there are no hits.
1: When you play live, do you kind of go back to The Well of her and play older songs, or it always, is it always just like a set of music with a set of people?
0: Uh, usually the latter. I think yeah. I only go back to old songs if I feel like it. But usually yeah. everything I write is so specifically for a certain group that I wouldn't do that. And then I'll get sick of playing... If I'm playing a certain book of music with a certain group, I'll get sick of it at some point and want to write something new because I don't want to keep playing the same songs forever. I guess
1: in a sense... I was going to ask if it's more ethereal that way, but I guess it's not from the standpoint of, like, you're actually, like, putting it on record and, mm-hmm. and saving it for posterity in that sense. How often do you, you know, write a set of music and it just only exist in, in that time and place with that group of people.
0: I think that happens fairly often. Yeah. Like, I'll write a bunch of music, record it, put out a record, play it with the band for a but, couple years. But it years. always gets
1: recorded, for the most, most part. Most of the time, yeah. yeah. I,
0: I, li- I really like to record things and have a document of it.
1: That's got to be, you know, kind of the, the hard thing about, like, being a more just strictly improvisational group is having that brilliant night or something and it only kind of, like, existing for that group of people. Like, there's something appealing in that. Mm-hmm. There's something appealing in, in just, like... Having it just the people who are there experience it, but you wanted you, you kind of wanted this to get out to as many people
0: as possible. Well, that's why it's nice to make a recording because, yeah. like I said, you can take the time to kind of really hone it and try to get something you feel really happy about, and you know try to make what you consider one of the best versions of that song, and then that is what you would put out there. But you're right, live night to night, it can be very different. You can have a night that you feel is magical and another night you feel like you couldn't get anything going. You couldn't play anything.
1: How much is that? That is just like kind of the the baggage from the day. How much of that is just sort of what you've been going through outside of music?
0: It's probably a combination. I mean, it's also, it's everything. It's the room. Maybe you're in a room that sounds horrible or the, you know, you you can't hear anybody else on the stage and um, you can have some nights or just the energy in the room can feel really different. Yeah. Um, The sound, what, what you're getting from the audience and from your fellow musicians. It, it varies so much.
1: How much freedom do the musicians in your band have, you know, when it comes to playing from night to night? I mean, does, there, does their stuff change dramatically? Or is it pretty much what what's put down on paper?
0: I mean, it depends on the group. Like with my group Code Girl, which I'm about to record, the, their songs, there's lyrics and a singer and, and the forms are pretty set. That being said, there are sections that are open and people have solos and those can be very different night to night. But in general the the song will kind of happen in the same way but the the spaces that are left open will be different and will kind of gradually change and develop as as we move along.
1: How often do you go back to the same group of people? You know, once once you found a combination that really works is that something that you want to keep revisiting?
0: I mean it depends. This is the second record I'm doing with Code Girl. Yeah. I did two records with my quintet, one record with my octet. It kind of depends. I think I do kind of change projects every couple years just because it's nice to try something different and, and challenge yourself.
1: Does that change the dynamic a lot when there's a vocalist?
0: This is actually the first time I've ever written for a vocalist. Yeah. It was a really cool, interesting experience because most of my, pro- I guess almost all my projects before that have been instrumental, except for one band I had, which was like an experimental rock band where I sang myself.
1: It was how, how was that experience?
0: It was cool. I think... You know, working with a real singer, <laughs> yeah. I think I realized, like, I yeah. don't know if I want to sing anymore, but it was fun at, at the time. I mean, I'm a terrible singer, but it was, for the purpose of that band, it was it was really fun.
1: It's already, I assume, just got to be hard to put yourself out there, you know, to just go on stage and play music in general, but to actually, like, sing? I mean, singing in front of people is <laughs> one of the most difficult things. It, even if you're good at it, is it's a hard thing to do.
0: Yeah, I would imagine. But, you know, you get used to it, Yeah, I think, if you...
1: You and you just felt like that—that that was the right thing for that specific project to go out and just to, yeah. to attempt attempt to sing. Yeah, yeah. Is <laughs> it's, it's not something you would try again?
0: No, you know, just I haven't been feeling like it. I don't want yeah. to say I'll never do it again, but no, I have not been into singing myself in recent years. But I really enjoyed writing lyrics and writing for a singer to interpret those lyrics.
1: Do you play other instruments as well? No. Is that something that interests you?
0: It's just too much. It's like I have enough to deal with just trying to get better at the guitar. So for me, I think I'm more of like a one track person. So to pick something else up would just, it would feel like too much.
1: As far as instruments go, it's pretty diverse the things that you can actually do with the instrument. And that's
0: part of what I like about it. Yeah, is you don't feel boxed in. You can kind of do any kind of music on guitar
1: are there nights when it feels like a job when you're on tour when it when you don't necessarily want to be? I mean, I assume that's the same with any job. I assume you know if you're like a race car driver or a baseball player there there are yeah. probably times when it's just like,
0: yeah, there's always things that suck you know if you if you're yeah. I had a period this summer where every time I tried to go somewhere there were thunderstorms and my flight would get canceled yeah. and I'd get stuck somewhere. And this was happening so much, I was starting to think there was something like... You're this. like Charlie Brown walking around <laughs>
1: like the rain cloud above your head.
0: No, it was. It was like that for a couple of months. And it was so exhausting. I mean, I was getting stuck places and barely making gigs and running and totally stressed out and exhausted. So that's one aspect of of being a musician that can suck is just so much travel and... and uh, It can be exhausting. You know, people say you really get paid to sit on the planes. (laughs) You know, you're playing, you're performing music for like an hour, but you're just traveling constantly and travel is sort of getting more difficult, I think.
1: What's the most purely enjoyable aspect of it all?
0: Performing. I love to perform and really just playing. I think that's, you know, there's always with any job, there's always so much other stuff you have to deal with, actually, the logistics of making it happen and getting people together and that kind of stuff is less fun, but actually just... Playing, Whether it's on a gig or recording, I think that's the part of it for me that's makes it all worth it.
1: The late flights and all of the other bullshit just kind of tends to fade away when you're actually up there playing.
0: If you like the gig. <laughs> <laughs> the worst is when you've traveled to Europe or something for one gig and, and the gig is horrible and then you turn around and go home. So you basically spend yeah. 48 hours traveling. And if the one hour where you're actually playing is great, it's, it's like, oh, of course, no brainer that you traveled that far to do it. But if you don't feel great about the gig, then it can be tough.